Sales Tuners, Episode 4, Darren Tomey, Vice President of Sales at Demand Jump. To me, a 10K is gold, and it's a, it's a roadmap. It is what can get you into some amazing doors. This is Sales Tuners with Jim Brown, the only weekly show where we talk about the behaviors, attitudes, and techniques that get sales reps and entrepreneurs to grow their revenue from $1 million to more than $10 million in just two years. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind, I can never get enough. And every time I step up in the building, everybody hands go up. It's time, it's time, it's time. It's Sales Sooner's time. I'm Jim Brown, your host, and our weekly inspiration comes from T.S. Eliot, who said, Only those who will risk going too far can possibly find out how far one can go. I'm very excited to be joined by my guest today, Darren Tomey. I'm extremely fortunate to be able to call him one of my best friends. I got to work for him a few years ago at Slingshot SEO, where we grew that company from a little over a million dollars in revenue to more than 11 million in just two years, which led us to a number 58 ranking on the Inc. 500 list of the fastest growing private companies in the country. Darren is a fascinating individual. He started playing baseball at the age of four and eventually excelled to the point of getting a developmental contract with the Pittsburgh Pirates at 17. Since then, he's been able to call himself many things, including entrepreneur, founder, executive, and sales leader. His professional career spans more than 20 years of delivering results in the marketing technology space, having played early key roles in the success of companies like Exact Target, Compendium, Slingshot SEO, Proof HQ, and many others. Today, He's the Vice President of Sales at Demand Jump, a predictive marketing intelligence platform. But before we dive in, I want to say a quick thank you to our sponsors. A big thanks goes out to the team at Octa for helping make this podcast possible. We all know that a better sales process creates a better buying experience, and Octa is transforming the way sales documents are created, distributed, and tracked. Check out a demo at Octave.com. That's O-C-T-I-V.com. All right, that's it. Let's get to our conversation where Darren tells me how he got to meet my favorite wrestler, Sting. Absolutely, man. First off, thanks for having me on the show. And uh, yeah, met Sting, uh, Lex Luger, uh, you know, or Lex Luger, Lex Luger uh, quite a few different wrestlers. Because when I was with GNC, um, started down in Fort Myers, Florida, um, opened up, uh, you know, stores all over the United States, actually in London and, and Toronto as well. But when I became divisional vice president, I was based in Memphis, Tennessee. And uh, of course, that is one of the big hubs for professional wrestling. I love it. I love it. Darren, tell me, before we just jump into everything, tell me what you're passionate about when you're not at work. <laughs> my children. Um, definitely, definitely. Uh, you know, if, if I'm not working, I'm with my kids. Um, uh, I would say uh, that's the thing I'm most passionate about. Outside of that, I absolutely uh I'm uh, extremely passionate about MMA um, and uh, and follow it very, very closely. I've seen many MMA matches at your house, so I can definitely attest to that. So, uh, Darren, let's go way back. You started to allude to your days uh, with GNC, but I think it might have even happened before that. How did you get into sales? Tell me about that story. I was actually probably, I would say I was born into it. Okay. Um, my father uh, was, was an entrepreneur and, um, you know, growing up, he owned um, automotive stores, kind of like advanced auto parts, auto zones, um, but, um, you know, smaller. And, um, you know, from the time that <clears throat> that I was very young, six, seven years old, uh, in the summers, you know, my mom worked, my father worked, um, and, and I would just go to work with him. And, you know, I would clean shelves and I would, you know, 
stock shelves and this and that, but um, probably by the time I was eight or nine years old, I was actually working the parts counter and, um, you know, no computers or anything. So we're using the old catalogs, but I was literally selling auto parts um, behind the counter to, you know, grown men and, and women. And um, that's, that's where I really got into sales and, and found that I loved it. Um, and I, and I just watched my dad and he was, you know, still to this dad say he's probably the best salesperson I've ever met. Um, and, and uh, at the same time, he would probably say that he never sold a thing in his life. So um, he just solved people's problems. Tell me more about that. What did it, what was it like to, to watch him as a kid master his craft, but then ultimately it's something that led you down your, your professional path. Just what was that like? I mean, it was, I mean, the best learning experience you could have, you know, number one, you know, I, it, it, for for almost everyone, you know, your dad is your idol. And, um, you know, for me to be able to, you know, go to work with him every single day and watch him, you know, show compassion with, with people um, and, and help them identify what was going on. You know, they would come in and talk about what the symptoms were. Um, and my dad was able to quickly, um, you know, discern that down to the root cause of what was going on and, and identify what the solution would be. And, and then, you know, help them, you know, get, get, get back on the road or, you know, whatever the, the situation was, you know, it, it, it taught me very early, um, you know, that compassion is, is really, really important and, and the ability to listen. And um, that's what my father did and, and still does today. Um, I think, you know, one of the, the biggest lessons I ever learned was, um, you know, he didn't dominate the conversation. Um, he, he did more listening than anything. He asked questions and then he listened and then he'd ask more questions and then he'd listen more. And he just kind of boiled things down to finding what that root cause of, of the challenge was. And, and then he'd, he'd solve it. So isn't it amazing what people will tell us if we do just take the time to truly listen to them and be present in the conversation? Absolutely. It's the number one rule. It's incredible. Incredible. Well, Darren, as you know, uh, we were talking about this. We, we break the show down into three parts, the behaviors, the attitude, and the technique. So I want to start with the behaviors, and that's just simply, it's what you do. So talk to me a little bit about your sales process today. You have sold many things throughout your career, but how does someone decide to buy from you today? Talk talk about that. Um, you know, it, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of, you know, kind of my... my, my uh, from a behavioral perspective, you know, for me, it's it's really about, you know, asking those open-ended questions and leading them down uh, a decision path. Um, you know, I think that's why most people buy from me and feel comfortable buying from me is because I think at the end of the day, they don't, they never feel like they're being sold. Um, they, they feel like they have someone who's in their corner, who's an advocate for them and, and who, who cares about what it is that they're, they're trying to solve. So I, I typically, you know, from a behavior standpoint, ask, you know, I usually have two or three very, you know, traditional questions that I ask in, in almost every scenario and every setting. Um, and then I do a lot of listening, and a lot of note taking. But let's get, um, let, let's get really specific though, right? So you're at Demand Jump now. How mm-hmm. does a Demand Jump customer buy from you? What are they doing? What are those questions you're, you're asking them? Get specific, if you will. Yeah. So, you know, with Demand Jump, you know, our focus is obviously the marketing suite. Um, you know, typically, uh, you know, in, in a early engagement, in the early stages of an engagement, um, you know, I kick off my, my meetings the same way I have for, you know, probably close to 10 years now. And I are, you know, six or seven years at least. And I, you know, I ask one, one open-ended question, you know, what are the three most important things you want to get from our conversation today? Um, 
And then I shut up because that that question for me has been a gold, you know, has 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 struck gold. And um, you know, they they typically share their their most pressing issues. Um, yeah, granted, one of those three, 95% of the time is going to be pricing. Um, but the other two are usually their critical needs. And um, it, it really helps us get to the meat of, of the conversation a lot faster. I love it. I love it. And then that kind of sets your agenda, you know, for the rest of that call. 100%. Yeah. And it also, you know, the other thing, Jim, is it also lets me know where they're at. Are they, are they you know, are they, are they extremely guarded um, or are they very open? And if they're very guarded, you, know, you go a different route. If they're if they're very open, then it, then you know the conversation flows real easy. Are they going to be extremely technical? And do I not have the resources on my side? Mm. You know, what I'm saying to sure. uh, progress it forward in in the time frame. Um, and so you know, very early on, by opening that by by asking that open ended question, um, it it really does set the agenda for the remainder of the call. So let's dive in a little bit deeper into a different part of this, right? So outside of, uh, you know, an inbound lead, how do you open up a new relationship or, or opportunity with a prospect? Um, outside of inbound, I mean, for me, the number one way is, is through referrals. Um, and I, I know that's, it's a little cliche, but it is true. I mean, you know, you're, you're outside of an inbound lead, your, your warmest opportunities come from referrals. Um, if, if, if it's not a referral, I look for, you know, something, you know, where, there, where there's some common ground. Um, I look for, um, you know, is, it, is, is there someone that we do know, but I didn't get a referral. So I always try to, you know, find a way to, to get on common ground with, with whoever the contact is. Um, uh, so, you know, that's, that's kind of, you know, point number one. Sure. And so it, it, with that, I guess, is there a habit or a routine that you have to do or you find yourself doing every single day? Hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I spend uh, an inordinate, inordinate amount of time uh, on LinkedIn. <laughs> okay. Uh, obviously, and uh, you know, outside of that, I mean, I, I, I use LinkedIn ex- extensively, um, and, and it's it's been very, very good, especially you know, trying to find that common that common connection. Um, other than that, you know, as as I'm prepping for meetings and 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 calls and things, you know, I do a ton of research. Um, and I, it's not the day of, it's usually two or three days in advance. Cause I really go deep in my research. Cause I want them to know that I care. I want them to know that I'm not just here on this call to sell them something. I'm here to solve something for them. So I do my research. I do my homework. I take a lot of notes. I use Evernote, you know, religiously. And, um, and what I try to do is I'll look through their 10 K's. I'll look through, uh, press releases. I'll look for little nuggets that I can interject into the call so that they know that I've done my homework, that I, that they know that I, that I'm, uh, you know, that I do care and that, and that I'm a professional at what I do. You just hit on something there that I think is golden for anybody selling to public companies, reading through their 10 K and actually understanding the initiatives that they've set forward and they've told their shareholders. It is amazing how many doors you can open. If you start referencing that document. It's, it's, it's absolutely, I mean, to me, a 10 K is, 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 is gold. And it's a, it's a roadmap. You know, it's, um, it is what can get you in to some amazing doors. And I'll give you a, a quick, a quick, uh, 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 anecdote. Um, just a couple of weeks ago, I was reading a 10 K and, um, uh, for a very large global organization. And I literally sent the CEO instead of the CMO. I sent the CEO a note. And the reason I did the CEO is because in the 10K, he's talking about 
you know, these acquisitions that they've made and, 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 and you know, kind of the strategic direction of what it, what it means to them. And it was all about growth and it was about entering into new marketplaces that this large global corporation organization had never been able to get into, which was more into the millennial space. And so I, I leveraged that information. I did some Google searches. The CEO had actually, the week before I sent the email, had been uh, in Europe speaking at an economic forum, you know, with with uh, all their shareholders and, and investors and, and, you know, kind of the public market. And um, he was speaking about it. And, and so I actually went and took a couple of his quotes, not only from, I took information from the 10K, but I took a couple quotes from his speech and put it back, put it into an email and sent it to him. And, and asked about specific challenges that he was facing and what solutions or, or you know, what his, his strategy was to overcome them. And in, in less than four minutes, the CEO responded to my email and, and, and set up a meeting to learn more about that topic. That's incredible. I mean, absolutely incredible. But again, Jim, it's like we said, it's about just doing, I mean, doing the work that most people don't like to do. That's and right. that is, the research. The That's research right. is what makes your calls go so much better. You are right, sir. You are right. So let's let's talk about that. Let's move on. I want to talk about the attitudes, right? And so for attitude for me, it's just it's how you feel about what you do. And so you just kind of said it, right? Like a lot of people don't want to do the work and, and they, they don't think that it's going to uh, bear fruit, right? And then they get mad at those of us who actually are willing to put in the work and they think that our success just comes easy to us. How do you how do you overcome that? Like, um, just how do you get yourself in the mindset that you're going to go have a great day in sales? I mean, I, I you know it goes back to being passionate about what you do, and um, you know you you can you can be passionate or you or not. Um, but but you 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 know for me, I'm extremely goal oriented, and and I know what it takes to be successful. And you know, granted. I don't, I, I, I can't sit here and say that I love to spend six hours a day doing research because that's not true. I, I would rather spend six or eight hours a day talking to clients or talking to prospects. But, you know, when you're selling into, you know, the, the, the global, you know, enterprise space, the global 1000, you know, fortune 500s, you, you have to do what you have to do. And, and, and in order to be successful, you got to do research. So for me, it's, it's just become uh, a routine. Um, where the first couple hours of the day, unless I have a scheduled meeting, you know, before nine o'clock, I'm usually on my computer by seven, seven thirty at the latest, and I spend the first ninety minutes to to uh, you know two hours every single day, either doing research on a on a meeting that I have coming up, you know, not that day, but it, you know a couple days in advance, um, or I'm doing research on prospects that I want to do meeting that I want to get meetings with. I find that if I do it early in the morning. I'm very successful at it. I find that if I push it off, I don't do it because other things come up. So for me, the way that the the way that I've done it is I've structured my day in a way that is successful for me and it's a routine now. So I don't think about it. I get up and I just do it because it is my routine. In in, in talking about routines, right? So what do you think is the biggest thing that holds salespeople back from hitting their goals? The biggest thing that holds them back from hitting their goals, um, I think it's I think it's probably uh, there's probably three things. Number one is you know having a routine, having that process. Um, you know, and process is a routine. Routine is a process. So um, I think that's that's one. Number two is having the right attitude, knowing that that, that making the investment in yourself is going to pay off in the future. It's not immediate gratification. But it's in a, you know, when you're doing research on a prospect, you're doing research 
on on you know for a meeting, you're making an investment in yourself, and and you know you got to believe that it's going to pay off. Um, and then probably you know the third one is you know have it you know being optimistic, um, and not worrying about how many no's you're getting, but be focused on getting your next yes. I'm perfectly fine getting a no, but I want to get to the no early, mm-hmm. and um, and so you know. That's you know part of the the whole attitude aspect of it is you know I I don't mind I don't mind no's but I don't like to lose um, but I I don't feel like getting a no is is a loss uh, you know a no is just not today that's right yeah I want my no as early as possible and please give me my no exactly you know, I I literally will in that first meeting that we were talking about earlier you know when you ask the open ended question what are the three most important things you want to learn you know you want to discuss today my point in that discussion is to get to a no. It's a little uh, Sandler upfront contract there, Mr. Tomey. It is, sir. <laughs> Very good. You, you talked about uh, investing in yourself. And so I want to ask you this. You've worked for uh, five, six uh, software uh, companies. Several have been Inc. 500. Several have been acquired, uh, one for billions of dollars. But how many times have you sold a different product or you know, a different company's products to the same person or the same company? <laughs> I love it. Um, <laughs> there's a company in Dallas, Texas, uh, in the home goods space, um, that I sold, uh, exact target. I sold, uh, uh, slingshot. I sold Z mags. I sold proof HQ and I'm actively in a sales engagement right now with demand jump. So that would be five products in 10 years. And and it all came from that original research that you were willing to do in them, and the relationship that you were able to build from knowing who they were. Absolutely, and and the the the, the awesome part about that is I know them so well that uh, that it's it's not you know that, that there's so much trust and credibility that if if I pick up the phone and I call in to have a conversation with Jeff or Stacy or you know one of the other people down there, they take my call because they. They they trust me and and I've built a lot of credibility with them and they know that they don't have to educate me I'm educated about their company so well that I that I'm going to position something that is valuable to them or else I won't uh, or else I wouldn't bring it to them in the first place I love it I love it so five products over ten years and you're still talking to them today that's that's incredible yeah. so l- let's talk about that that ten year of time right so. I'm going to uh, ask you a question that actually has some some personal uh, 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 potential feedback here, right? So it's the what have you done for me lately mentality. Uh, mm-hmm. When I was working for you, I had some amazing months. I had some amazing quarters. And the first of the month after that, it was always, hey, you're at zero. What have you, <laughs> what have you done for me lately? Uh, and and that, that drove me, right? But but how do you sustain, Darren, that, that high growth, that high performance mentality without getting burnt out? That's a tough one. It is, uh, it, it is a is common challenge I think every sales professional will face at some point in their career. Um, you know, for me, uh, you know, whether it's the end of the month or the end of a quarter, um, you know, I, I this may not be the best answer there is, but I, I do find time to unplug. I find time. I celebrate. Um, you know, I celebrate our wins. I identify our challenges, I put a strategy together, and then I unplug usually for a couple days, at least for, you know, a three or four day period of time to recharge my engine. Um, I think it's critical that you do that um, or else you will burn out um, because 
sales is, well, I do believe it's the greatest career an individual could ever have. Um, uh, it is also uh, high stress, <laughs> high risk, high reward. Um, so I, you know, I, I do believe in taking, you know, taking some time down and uh, recharging my batteries. It's, I couldn't agree with you more. I think one of the things that uh, I've seen multiple times is when a good salesperson, when you watch them do their craft, they make things look so easy. Mm-hmm. And so I want to move on into the technique, right? And this is the how you do what you do. But there were several times where, you know, you and I have, have been talking with people who are not on the sales team and they get jealous of, um, you know, the conversations we get to have, the conferences we get to go to, the, you know, the, the, the jets and, and all that kind of stuff. But you used to tell me this, this phrase, right? If you want part of the life, just come carry a bag. Talk about right. that. What's that mean? Well, I mean, you know, there's a lot of... <clears throat> There's a lot of people who, you know, because, you know, certain people do things and make it look really easy, right? Um, you know, for instance, you know, you and I, we've we've had that and there's been animosity and there's been, you know, you call it jealousy or whatever you want to call it. Um, but but until until they until they do what we do, um, they, they don't fully grasp or understand the level of commitment that we have to make. And, um, you know, so I don't I don't apologize for the money. Uh, that 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 either I make or my team makes. In fact, I like to celebrate it. Um, and 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 so you know, yeah. If 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 someone wants to complain about, you know, the uh, the the commission checks that we're getting, um, then you know, feel free to step up and carry a bag. Um, you know, they think that it's easy. Um, so so a lot of times, Jim, what I've done in the past is is you know. Yeah, I, I I say that, and I'll, I'll do that. There's a bit of bravado to it, right? Well, you know, if you want to, you know, you want to walk it, you want to walk in these shoes. Grab my bag, walk along with me. What I have done is actually bring people along, and um, I do enjoy doing that. I do enjoy bringing people from the development team and from marketing team, and you know, even finance team, and let them come and, and spend a day, um, or spend a few days. Bring them to a conference. Bring them, um, you know, on sales calls, going into sales sales meetings, you know, going into boardrooms. They get a real fast, real quick appreciation for the actual talent that we have to have to be successful. And um, I think that, you know, as as I've progressed in my career and I've went, you know, from different companies and stuff, and and I've done a lot of project based work over the last five or six years doing turnaround projects and stuff or helping the companies, you know, grow exponentially to hit their exit target. Um, you know, one of the things that I've, one of the big changes I've made probably about five or six years ago was that early in my tenure in a new company, I would invite people with me um, to come along, to participate, joint participate in calls or in meetings. Um, and, and quite honestly, it, it quiets the critics real fast. Interesting. You're you're so right. You you talked about this concept of just bringing people along, right? So not only have you been a very high performing individual contributor, but you've led amazing sales teams as well. When you do that, what's the the, the kind of the most common thing, Darren, that you've seen a sales rep do uh, to lose control of a sales process? Talk too much. Wow. <laughs> they they uh, they they don't listen enough. Um, and that to me, I mean, honestly, that is the number one way that I see salespeople lose control is because they they dominate a conversation as opposed to, 
you know, leading someone down that, you know, identify that almost that self-discovery process. Um, and, and so instead they, they show up and they throw up, they put all the candy on the table. Um, and, uh, and, and that is where they, they lose real fast. So true. So true. So I'm going to go back into that personal vault and I'm going to bring up a call. I'm going to see if you remember this. So, uh, early in my days at Slingshot, I want to say it might have even been September or early October of 2010. You and I had a call with Best Buy. Yes. Do you remember this? I do. <laughs> and one of the founders of the company, of the search company that we were working for, uh, he just wanted to, to listen in. Mm hmm. What happened? <laughs> He, he didn't do much listening. <laughs> In fact, it was so bad that um, I, if I remember correctly, at the end of the call, well, the guy basically cut us off. Yeah. And, and, and then pretty much said, we, you know, that, that that individual wasted 20 minutes of his time or whatever it was. And we ran over on time, too, if I remember right. We had like 30 minutes. And at like the 40-minute mark, the guy just said, you know, it was, uh, you know, I forget his word, but you basically said, you know, you, you, you didn't honor me in my time. Um, and, and in fact, you, you, you wasted it. You didn't, you, you didn't, you never heard anything that I had to say or something along those lines. And, you know, you and I were both like jaws, jaws were on the table and, and, you know, my vein was sticking out in my forehead because my blood pressure was so high. So <laughs> I think we'd ran, we'd run the exact sales call that we wanted to run. Yep. And, you know, the, the guy at Best Buy, he was listening and he was paying attention and we were starting to ask him stuff. And and uh, the founder that we're talking about just wasn't interested in that. And he wanted to inter interject his own thoughts. And boy, that uh, <laughs> yeah, I remember following up with an email and being told to never contact him again. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, and, you know, I mean, listen, we see that time and time again. Right. And, and, you know, it kind of goes back to your question, where do salespeople lose control? Um, but we see it all the time. And, and, you know, you go into companies, you know, as, as a sales leader or even as a, you know, whether you're a leader or you're a direct contributor and, and you see it. And, and a lot of times you see it with that, that CEO or the founder, or the president. And, um, you know, they're so close to what it is that they've, they've developed that, that they just want to shout it from the rooftops even if the other person's not listening. Mm -hmm. mm, so true. So true. That was fun. Uh, Darren, it, it seems like uh, every great salesperson has a story or remembers the one that got away. Uh, you know, it's a big deal that you lost. Do you have one of those? And can you tell me about it? So a couple of years ago, uh, I was at Pro when I was with Proof HQ, um, we were working the largest deal in the history of the company, seven-year-old company. Um, we were working a deal with um, is actually NBC, and um, we had you know we were three three and a half maybe four months into this process. I mean it was a very very large deal. Um, I would say it it was easily it, it it was one of those transformational deals, right? You know where you go from you know, being a, a software company in that, you know, $10 million space to be in a software company, you know, with all of a sudden you've got, you know, 25, 30% more revenues um, overnight. And we, we had done absolutely step-by-step, step, followed the process. They were completely buying in. And at the end of the day, um, they, uh, 
it was in the timing when uh, NBC got sued um, for uh, the, there was, uh, I'm trying to remember the guy's name. I want to say it was Brian something, but um, there was, there was some emails that got intercepted and um, there were some disparaging, you know, dis, the uh, disparaging remarks that were made and they ended up getting sued. And I want to say, I may be off on this, Jim, but I want to say it was like, uh, you know, for 50 or $70 million lawsuit. And um, so I actually thought, you know what? This just gives us more credibility because it was it was around some marketing stuff that this email and, and the disparaging remarks had happened. Um, uh, and it was between them. And I want to say it was Sony, if I remember right. But long story short, I thought it was going to benefit us. And instead, it completely locked the entire process down. We were four months in. We were in red lines on the contracting. Um, we had, you know, set set a target date for for onboarding and training. And, you know, we had 200 plus people who were going through training or, you know, scheduled to go through training. And um, it was one of those situations where outside circumstances happen. And, and I don't, you know, again, I felt like it strengthened our position. Um and instead, what what it what it did was um, it locked it down because their 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 uh, chief security officer basically said nothing can go on the cloud ever again, and um, basically started uh, firing any solution provider that was cloud based, and you had to be on prem. Again, you know, it was that it was that deal that I thought was absolutely done. Um, all the chips were lined up. Um, everyone was on board, uh, you know, circumstance happens and, and I did absolutely everything I could. And in fact, I probably continued to try to get that deal done for another six months, um, after the fact. Um, but it, it was, it was probably my most painful loss that I've ever had. Um, because, you know, we were at the finish line, we were at the goal line and, um, uh, you know, then it just shut down and, and literally it was overnight. That's why, and, and like you said, for for him to take that stance of no cloud properties at this in this day and age, man, that's a statement to be made. Yeah, absolutely. So, goodness, that was that was a painful one. You know, you're talking, you know, two and a half, three million dollars, and uh, it was uh, it was completely ripped out from underneath us. Wow, Darren, we're going to take a very quick break, and we're going to be back for the money round. So you don't go away, and sales centers, you don't go away either. We we'll right back. Sales tuners, Octave has built a sales productivity platform that streamlines the workflow for creating and managing your sales documents. Everything from presentations and quotes to all of your proposals and contracts. They can pull data from your CRM, CPQ, and ERP systems, saving you time and accelerating each sales opportunity. Octave has been around since 2010 and now serves more than 400 organizations. I'm talking global enterprises, guys, like GE and Siemens, national brands like Angie's List and FedEx Office, and even industry innovators like Double Dutch and Lindemood Bell. You've got to check them out. Go to Octave.com. That's O-C-T-I-V.com to learn more. And hey, during your demo, be sure to tell them you heard about them on the Sales Tuners podcast. We are back and it is time for the money round. Darren, are you ready for the money round? Absolutely, man. I love money. All right. There we go. Darren, what's the one thing that has contributed most to your transformation from normal to exceptional? Mastering the process. If you were to start over today in sales, what would you spend the next 30 days doing? I would, uh, the, the first 30 days, um, 
I would find the most successful salesperson and, and be in their side pocket for 30 straight days, listening to every single thing that they did if I was brand new. Which phrase describes you best and why? I love to win or I hate to lose? I love to win. What's a book that you've read multiple times or always recommend to others? Hmm. Um, there's, there's probably two. Uh, the Challenger Cell would be one. Um, I really like a lot of the concepts in that. Um, and, and the other one um, is uh, Escape Velocity. Um, again, you know, with, uh, from Jeffrey Moore. Um, I just love that book and I love the concepts of the book. Sales tuners, if you would like to check out Darren's suggestions of Escape Velocity or The Challenger Sale, head on over to salestuners.com slash book, and there you can sign up for a 30-day trial of Audible and browse their over 150 titles. Again, that's salestuners.com slash book. Darren, what's the biggest piece of advice that you have for all the sales tuners out there grinding today? Biggest piece of advice would be believe in yourself. Um, if, if you, you know, there's nothing worse than getting on a call or being in a meeting um, and, and having someone who, who doesn't believe in what they're doing. If you're not passionate about what you're selling, you're going to fail. Darren, last question, then we can get you out here. If someone wanted to connect with you uh, after the show, how would they do that? Um, yeah, but they, LinkedIn is probably the best way. Um, you know, Darren Tomey on LinkedIn. Um, you can also email me at Darren at demandjump.com. I love it. Darren, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate it. Really enjoyed my conversation with Darren. So I want to get to my top takeaways. Uh, number one, take time to recharge. Uh, you know, you need to celebrate your wins at the conclusion of a month, quarter, or really just after a big victory and give yourself that space to unplug so that you can be at your best when it's when it's showtime. Uh, number two, don't dominate the conversation. You need to spend more time listening and less time talking. Uh, learn how to ask better questions. I've often said the best presentation you'll ever give is the one your prospect never sees. Think about that. And number three, if you're selling to a public company, a 10K can be a roadmap to gold. It outlines the major initiatives for the year ahead. And if your solution fits into one of those themes, you can use their data to highlight a gap and really expose the opportunity. That's it. Thank you so much for listening. If you have questions you'd like me to ask our guests, please tweet at me at SalesTuners or shoot me an email, jim at SalesTuners.com. Also, be sure to sign up for our email list where we send out expanded content and previews of upcoming guests. All right. I hope to see you next week. Until then, let's make it rain. Thanks for listening to Sales Tuners. Stay up to date at www.salestuners.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. And they stay there!